Good day, everybody. Welcome to episode 57 of the Carrier's Edge podcast. I feel like doing a Heinz 57 joke, but I can't think of one, so. Oh, because it's 57, I see. Well, you're the co-founder of Carrier's Edge, Mark Morell. And you're the other co-founder of Carrier's Edge, Jane Jezrowie. Yep, and here we are. Yeah, see, we find something new each time. Every time, because you have Now on, we're going to start introducing each other. Because you have an awkward pause every time. Decide what you're going to say, man. No, then it's not fresh. It's got to stay fresh. It's got to stay loose. Because those are the two words that everybody uses to describe you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm just a casual, fresh, loose kind of guy. I don't think you should be laughing that hard. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> okay. This is the person I spend my life with. It is. And laughing uproariously <laughs> at the idea of me being fresh and loose. <laughs> yeah, if you were calling me fresh and loose, it would be a whole different thing. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> we'll just park that. <laughs> that just, I opened a can of worms so that nobody listening would open it in their heads. And, okay. and you couldn't open it either. Okay. So the All best right. thing to do is open it first to get it aired out. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm drinking coffee right now. No, I... I'm parking all of the comments that I thought of to respond to that. I know. See, it took it out of the air. No, I went in a different direction. Uh, so. Okay. Yes, we will move on from there. Yes, we need to figure out what to talk about because we've both been busy on a lot of different things and we had a variety of conversations that we almost started over lunch and then said, wait, no, we got to hold it for the podcast. So now we have to remember what well, those were. Well, I remember. Well, you said you were going to remember. I did, didn't I? One of them I remember. Okay. Which is you were starting to talk about the benefits of shopping online. Yes. And so everybody knows that you shop online because that's mostly the way you can shop now. That's really not much of a choice. Mm-hmm. But I was talking about or what I was thinking about was because I just bought sweaters. So I needed sweaters. All my sweaters have holes in the elbows. And, you know, I know you're not. And this is a good time to buy sweaters because in the women's fashion world, you buy clothing based on the next season. So the season they're actually currently in, you cannot buy any clothes for. Right. You can only buy for next season. I can only buy bathing suits now. Right. Because it's the middle of winter. Yeah, that's what you want in February is a bathing suit. Exactly. And I didn't really cotton on to this until the kids, when the kids were small and I could never find mittens in January. And I was like, oh yeah, you got to buy those in August because Mm. they're short shelf life. They're not stocking them. So sweaters are those kinds of things. And so when people are putting sweaters on sale, you buy them, but you don't buy them to wear this year. You buy them to wear next year. And because it's most likely going to warm up pretty soon. And I know it's snowing right now and Texas is in a deep freeze, but it's going to warm up pretty soon because we're close to March. So we were talking about the idea of, of buying things online and how much nicer it is. And the whole idea, and not to say that I am not super enjoying the pandemic and not being able to go anywhere, but shopping is much less stressful when you do it online, especially for women's clothes, because there's a whole thing around shopping for women's clothes. 
that if you don't do it or haven't been with a woman who's done it lately, it it's horrible. And so now shopping online, I was thinking about how the nice thing about it, because what I was also thinking was, why didn't I buy sweaters on sale before? Because mm-hmm. I haven't bought sweaters for years and years and yeah. years. And so why didn't I? And so I'm getting to the point. And the point is retail stores are awful to go into. They're awful. Well, if you want to buy clothing anyway, because the first thing that happens is someone wants to prevent you from shoplifting. Right. First thing. They're spying on you the whole time. Well, not that. But one of the things about shoplifting is is if you introduce yourself to somebody as soon as they come into the story or if you ask them if they can be, you know, can you help them or make eye contact with them or whatever, you have a much lower chance of them shoplifting because Mm -hmm. they feel like, you know, you've made contact and they're aware of you. You can't just sort of go under the radar. And that's why all of these people say hello to you when you go into a store is because they want to make sure you're not going to go and lift anything. And the other part of it is, is that they are trying to make a connection with you. And the last thing I want is anyone making a connection with me in a store that I don't want to talk to. The last thing. I am not shopping for a social time. I know what I want. I know what looks good on me. And I don't want some stranger telling me that pastels or empire dresses are the thing that I must buy. (laughs) Because neither of those things is a thing for me. I want to go in and then I want to look for what I want. There's the, so one no irritating people trying to, I don't know, trying to get you to make a sale. Or introducing the things that they think you want, which is trying to make a sale with the stuff that they're told to sell. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And on the one hand, I feel a bit bad for them because a lot of them are commission. But on the other, other hand, I don't, that's not why I'm there. I'm there to buy a sweater. Insert expletive here. Yeah. But in that, you feel bad for them because they're on commission, but that's the problem with the model. Yeah. And, like, and we see this when we used to go into furniture stores, particularly like the chain furniture stores, we would go in to look around and we need some stuff. So we don't want to go on a Saturday afternoon when it's jammed. So we will go a little bit quieter time. But the problem is there's nobody in the store, but there's like 10 sales reps yeah. that are all on commission. So they're like staring at you it's like you're under surveillance well they're also staring at each other to see who yeah, who's you, you know <laughs> someone immediately comes up and starts talking to you and uh you know anything i can show you anything you're looking for today well if you need anything let me know i'm just over here and then they all sort of retreat and then they'll watch you walk around and you get into another section another one pops out of the woodwork how you doing anything i can help I you know. with today it's like yeah they're all predators that are fighting each other for your attention and I just, I don't even want to ask any questions. I just want to get the hell out. No, I know. Cause, and so what I've started doing is in a mall when I'm shopping for said sweater, I will walk into a store, quickly take stock of what's in there and who's in there and how much attention they're paying to me and whether they look lonely or not. And then I will make the decision with about th- within about three seconds about whether or not I'm going in that store. Yeah. And you've seen me do it. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, nope. I'm psyched up to go in and start shopping here. And you're like, nope. And we move on. Yeah. Because one of those things is happening. And I know it because they all do it. And 
I'm perfectly aware of it and you don't get my money. Like if you don't make it a pleasant experience for me to do on my own because I'm a grown up woman who has bought clothes for a number of years. Yeah, you don't need a teenager. And if I want some help, I will ask. So it's, yeah, I do not want a teenager. Oh my God, that's the worst. I do not want a teen telling me what clothes look good on me or not. They do not know. Well, what's also interesting is that I I find that model kind of fascinating because it's a very lazy model. The commissioned salesperson in a franchise retail store is a lazy kind of yesterday's model. Mm -hmm. You know, these are the people that don't want to manage their people very well. So they dump them on commission. So then, hey, if they don't work, they don't get paid. It's not my problem as a, a store manager or as a business owner. And by when it's all franchise, it's like, hey, the responsibility is on the franchisee. It's not on corporate. And it's such an abdication of leadership, an abdication of responsibility. But it worked through the 50s, 60s, you know, even through the 80s. It was working okay. But in the 90s, I think the 90s was kind of the peak of it. And I noticed it with like the electronic stores and the PC stores oh, and yeah, things like that. Yeah. But what occurs to me now is that those ones are mostly gone. The ones that didn't have that model, the ones that focused on a different way of doing things are the ones that are hanging on. Granted, somebody like Best Buy that yeah, was, was non-commissioned that. salespeople is struggling, but they're the last ones. They're at least still around. You know, the Radio yeah. Shacks and the Future Shops and all of those ones have gone you know the way of the dinosaur and the same thing is happening now with a lot of the mall-based retail and all of that especially women's clothing women's clothing is is crazy but there's another there's another part of it that i wanted to point out and this has to do with online shopping as well because what happened at stores like the gap where you could buy it just as easily online as in the store is what they what they would do is stop having well, they only stock certain sizes in the store. So you would go in there and you wouldn't be able to buy your size because you're a weird size, which is me. Like I have short legs and like I'm a size six, but I'm for gap jeans. I'm like an ankle because I'm short. You know, people who have long legs can or longer legs can fit into their their jeans. But for me, I'd have to get everything hemmed. So I started buying ankle size all the time and they don't stock them. So people started using the retail stores as basically try it on and then order it online because you often get better discounts online as well. So there's that, but it's just finding the stuff that you like because they have horrible, horrible methods of, of showcasing the, the stuff they have in the store. So it's either way at the back in the sale racks or like all of the stuff you don't like is way out or they have all the cheap stuff at the front, but there's only, you know, extra large or extra small sizes. So there's, and you can't look at anything. As soon as you look at something, you have to unfold it. And then you feel bad because you've unfolded it. And, you know, and then a salesperson is going to get you because they come unfolding it. <laughs> so, but that's still. But no, hang on. There's more to it. When I bought the sweaters online, I could look at the sweaters. I could actually look at them. I could look at them for as long as I wanted. So I bought sweaters that I have not ever purchased because before, because of the time I would have to take in a store to find said purchase. I would have to know the store to go into. I would have to know, I would have to be 
a place that had my size, which is sometimes weird, like a petite. So I would have to have all of these things in place. But when I shop online, I can just look at it and I can look at a model of it in different orientations. I can look at a a little movie clip of someone wearing it. I can, you know, so I have a, there's a lot more information and you can spend a lot more time online considering a purchase than you can in a store. Because if I spent the amount of time that I spent on those sweaters, which is about three hours off and on, (laughs) they'd be wondering what I was doing in the mall. Well, you really couldn't because they wouldn't have that much inventory in the store. No, exactly. And there was tons of stuff that I discarded. And, you know, that's the other thing. And and when you're in the store, you have to make that decision about whether I'm going to take it or discard it or what what am I going to do with this thing? And then it's, you know, the salesperson wants to come and put it in the change room for you. And I've gotten to the point where I know my size. I know what looks good on me. I know what fits me. I can tell by a picture whether that is likely to look good on me. So I'm pretty good with my choices. If I need to try it on, well, I haven't thought about that, but well, they I'll get go around to the that. store. But at the same time, so what you're really articulating here is the evolution of a, of an experience and the death of an old model, which is sort of what I was saying is that the, the commission sales rep model doesn't work. But the other thing that was really a struggle for all these people that were franchise based is there was no viable option for them to move stuff online because online then just competed with the stores Mm -hmm. and gap actually found a way to do it because their company owns stores. So they accepted the fact that the store is really a showroom for trying it on. and, And if the sale happens online, fair enough, they're still making the sale you found somebody that's even a better experience, somebody that, and this is what's happened in the past year, this real explosion of sort of online first retail outlets, whether it's fashion or housewares or any number of other things that people were traditionally going to a store for, you can have way more variety and way more option, no pressure from a sales rep. And niche, like really niche products. A lot more variety of products. So you can go farther down the long tail of Mm -hmm. uh, different options. And now that the world has figured out the shipping side of it and how to do returns and all of that, people can easily buy a couple of different versions. And if you, you know, you don't like the size or whatever, uh, or you buy two different sizes, keep the one that fits and send the other one back. So it's a real interesting shift and the world is sort of, rewarding the people that have figured that out and they're doing very well, which I guess is leading to great business for Shopify and Etsy and all of these platforms that uh, cater to that. But it's really a very dire situation for the mall-based retail people. Yeah, I think, well, the mall-based retail people were dying anyway because everybody had the same thing. So for example, if I wanted to go buy shoes, I mean, there's tons and tons of shoe stores in the mall, but they're all the same. And you have to be in the right season. So back what I was talking about at the beginning is that you have to buy your gloves in, in August. And that's a huge problem because, you know, shopping for gloves, like you just find the same stuff. So I, I, um, I ended up uh, buying some of the best pair of gloves that I, that I ever found um, from a store. No, actually, I liked them in the store, but they didn't have the right size. So I ended up buying them online from Columbia. But... Um, it's kind of happening the same way with other things is that I'm finding different options. Strangely enough through Facebook, Facebook advertising <laughs> is getting me. Ugh. Well, I, you know what? It's it, weird. I hate to admit it. It works though. They I do. It does work. You have to do your homework though. I found 
really good hair care products on Facebook. I found uh, clothing on Facebook, like I found leisure wear stuff that I thought was really cool, and so mm-hmm. do you. I found that online um, or on Facebook. I found some very cool um, laundry detergent that is like single strips instead of like a big jug. And that's a Canadian company. The hair care thing that I was talking about is a Canadian company. And I found them through Facebook. So it's a really good advertising avenue. So it's kind of like what was happening with, I guess, the music business about 15 years ago when you had sort of the rise, maybe not quite, maybe 10 years ago with the rise of Apple Music and Spotify and these things. And Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, these unsigned bands, all these little tiny acts could get exposure and they could get maybe not the same level, but the same access that the big acts were getting. And that's happening now. You get all these little brands that can afford to do a little bit of Facebook advertising or Twitter or whatever, do something through Pinterest. And they've got these platforms with Shopify and Etsy and some of the other ones that allow them to do that. And they can hit a market and they can actually have some success. And you as the customer end up better off because you got way more choice. Oh, and yeah. you got a better experience. And I can shop for more... See, grocery stores and big box stores have tend to focus on price. They don't focus on what a consumer actually needs. Or if they are looking at it, so for example, um, the thing that Mark knows about that I've gone on and on about for the last, I don't know, three years is the change in my hair from wavy and completely manageable. Like I could manage it, I could brush it like once a week and it would probably look fine to completely curly and I don't know what to do with it. So I have been trying to buy things like I've gone to my hairdresser. I've tried different products in grocery stores. I had absolutely no idea how to actually take care of curly hair because it's completely different. And the solution I found online because I look at hair products and look and see whether I would be interested in buying them. That is a small, small group of people who need this, Mm -hmm. you know, like the vast majority of people are not over 50 and have weirdly curling hair all of a sudden. So they don't have this problem. So you can actually online, you can really target them. And if you target them in a creative way, it's much more interesting. So I, um, you know, before I'll buy something off of Facebook, I tend to do a lot of investigation first just to make sure they're not just some crazy knockoff place in China. Hmm. Now, that's interesting. And I also see parallels to our regular work. That's your job is to see the parallel. I'm just experiencing life. We've now had 18 minutes of Jane buying sweaters and hair care products, but it actually does relate to our core business because it's kind of the same situation playing out. The retailers whose strategy was to use a franchise model and dump everything down onto the franchisee and have commission salespeople and really sort of dump all responsibility for everything. If that was their strategy, they're the ones that are dying now. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the same thing we see in fleets. Tim Hortons. Yeah, well, the fleets do the same thing. The fleets that dump everything onto the driver, mm-hmm. that uh, make that the responsibility, that don't really pay them you know, very well, that it's all like everything is piecemeal down to the molecule level. They're the ones that struggle. The ones that have a real strategy that manage their people properly and build a community and do all of that kind of stuff, they're the ones that are able to ride out 
all of the problems and the ups and downs of business and they do much better. They are the gaps in that uh, scenario rather than some of the, uh, the other retailers that are gone. Or the you know? Apple store. Yeah. The Apple store doesn't care if you buy anything from mm-hmm. their stores. Yeah. They, they motivate that- you to do it and give you good uh, products. And yeah, and I guess that's sort of the best fleet uh, mantra is we're going to motivate you to do good work and we're not going to, treats you like children and micromanage and nickel and dime every single thing. And more and more it's stable pay. It's getting people involved. It's uh, incentive, um, sort of community type incentive to be part of the team and to do something. So that's, uh, I, I think really interesting. Well, I think, I don't think that anybody starts a business thinking that they're going to end up at the top, downloading everything to the bottom. And, I don't think people start trucking companies or to do that, to download everything to the driver. But what happens is when you don't, when you're focused on only that one thing or, you know, where's my next customer coming from? How much money can I make off this truck? Like what's the profit, blah, blah, blah. And you forget all of the other things. Then eventually when you don't pay attention to all of those little things that increase the well-being of the driver of that person who gets downloaded to, it's like if there's a problem with the shippers, well, the driver's going to take care of it. If there's a problem with the border, the driver's going to take care of it. All of those things that the driver did take care of when it was an easier problem to solve was fine. Mm -hmm. But now it has become just through the pandemic, through... Um, more gridlock on the roads through shippers that are more difficult to deal with. The driver can't do that anymore. Mm. So, and it's the same thing with shopping. If you have a, you have a company that sells clothes and you have a little store and then, you know, it's fine for a while, but then you get bigger and bigger and then you have the profit margins are getting tighter and tighter. So where are you going to squeeze? Where are you going to squeeze? And it tends to, it tends to move to that. Oh, you know what? When we, to make up the bottom line, we're going to have franchising now. And it, it just becomes like, why are you making these decisions? It's not the good of everybody. It's the good of you and your profit. There's uh, no cushion to absorb any black swan events that happen. Yeah, and you start out where you do have a cushion, but as you progress down this road of, no, this is my profit, mm-hmm. and the record companies did that too, yeah. right? That They were like, well, we are we have to protect our profit, so we're going to sue anybody who shares music, and right. like Napster and stuff like that, or we're going, to, we're going to punish people who are not using this properly. Well, you know, at a certain point, you have to start realizing, well, what's the best What's the best thing for everybody? Because the best thing for you is not going to continue. Well, and also look at which way society is moving. You know, where is society going? And you can't fight that. You can either adapt and learn how to ride the wave or you can get drowned underneath it. And yeah, the record companies absolutely did. And some of the large retail are certainly, you know, the people that are holding out hope that all of a sudden everybody is going to start storming back to malls and their franchise model and commission sales reps are going to start having all of a sudden this great motivation to care and do great things. Well, they're going to get swallowed up. They're just going to have a hard time more and more. They're going to get a post pandemic bump. I'm pretty sure that retail is going to have 
the most amazing Christmas this year. Yeah. As long as everybody gets vaccinated and, and it's safer to go out. But once mm-hmm. once that happens, everybody's going to be just going crazy with, I got to go out for dinner. I got to go shopping. I got to go do this. I got to go and socialize. I got to do all of these things. Like you can feel it happening yeah. where it's almost like it's this big you know, balloon that's going to pop because everybody's talking about, oh, when we can go out again. Yeah. Well, and it's the same thing that we see with the fleets. When business is booming, you can get away with that stuff. But the minute it starts to get tough, you've got to have a resilient organization ready to deal with that. And the way to do that is to have a group of people that really are motivated to work together and want to do good work. And it isn't just about the owner trying to squeeze every dime out and make themselves look like some great... Or uh, shareholders. Well, in, in yes, in the retail world, there's a lot of public companies and its shareholders. But in the trucking space, it's, it tends to be a lot of individual owners. And it's a lot of guys that are pulling a lot of cash out. And I say guys because it's mostly men <laughs> that are pulling cash out so they can buy a boat and they can buy sports cars and they can look like the big man on campus. And the company suffers as a result. You know, we see it here in Canada with this issue of driver ink where mm-hmm. people are squeezing their drivers, claiming that they're personal service businesses and not paying any of the deductions that they should. And really they're cheating. They're outright criminals. And unfortunately I know that some of them are on our customer list and I won't be unhappy when they get bankrupted by the government. I'll be happy to lose those customers. And uh, I just wish that they would be publicly named and shamed because I hate people that are trying to nickel and dime and cut corners and and squeeze something and bend a rule so they can make an extra buck. I just wish that they would have a much more broader strategy or or a much more open view of the world and recognize, like you were saying on the whole retail side, it's short-term thinking. And it is not ever going to give them any kind of long-term success. And they're not going to look like the big man for very long because when you're bankrupt because you took all the money out, yourself, you know, and your, your Ferrari is repossessed. You don't look like the big man. So well, yeah. Now there, I veered I, off into my own rant. Yeah. Well, I wasn't ranting. I was just explaining no. what the process is. The process for shopping is, is a nasty one. And, um, it will be much nicer when malls are more like they were in the eighties when they first kind of started where the more gathering places rather than, cause that's what a lot of malls are turning into now is that they're being repurposed for sort of community events mm-hmm. rather than just, you know, blocks of retail. And, and not that I don't like retail. I don't, I do like going into a store. I just don't like the predatory nature of, of people kind of trying to get you. And I see it at trade shows too, that whole, you know, I'm going to get you in the aisle. <laughs> oh God. You know, be careful. You, know, you just made me think of something that I hadn't considered. And that is, like you said, people are getting so eager to go out and do stuff, so eager to have events and go out to restaurants and movies and malls and all that. And same thing with shows. People, I can, everybody I talk to is like dying to have a show yeah. to get together. You know, people have these meetings that they set up for five minutes of business and 25 minutes of just chit chat because they want to talk all the stuff that you don't get uh, because you're not going to any events anymore. And when those events are able to happen in person again, you know, in the fall and next year, everybody, you know, I've been joking about how nobody's going to be in the office. Everybody's going to be at a different event every week. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be seeing the same people every week at different events. And none of us are going to care. Yep. We're just so happy to be out there. 
but what you just said made me realize, oh yeah, the desperate sales guys are going to be there as well. And there's going to be all kinds of people that are just going nuts to try and make a deal. Eh, you know what? You know, we all have our ways of resisting that, right? I don't go into the stores where I have a feeling that somebody is going to uh, come at me. I don't go down the aisles where I think people are going to, I, you know, you don't make eye contact. You look down or, the aisle at a show and decide whether or not you want to go there and then just sort of skip it. Yeah, everybody does that. You know, do I want to talk to this person or do I want to see this? Or have I just seen this person like every five minutes over the last three hours and maybe I'll just go somewhere else and give us both a break. (laughs) You know how that happens where you see the same people over and over and it's like, okay, can you just go away? And you both are like, yes, please. We just agree to kind of (laughs) pass and not say any highs or anything because we got nothing to say. The niceties are gone. We've just seen each other too many times. Yeah. yeah. So, but I think that... um, I think people should book air travel now. I think they should book it for an, in advance for things that are happening in the fall because I have this feeling that the... Well, don't say that. They're going to take all the good flights. Okay, the, you know, the people who are listening to the this podcast, if you have not thought of it already, can you, can you just think about how airfare is going to skyrocket when everybody tries to get on a plane at the same time after this pandemic? Yeah, but it could also be a whole bunch of deals because they're all fighting for... Market share. I don't think so. I think the, I think it's going to be this, I think we're going to see a huge bubble in the winter, like in the fall and the winter. Yeah. And then it's going to go back to normal and then everybody's going to sort of live off. And then we're going to kind of go back to the, everything was nearly dead. You know, the things Mm -hmm. that the retail that was, you know, that barely survived, they may or may not survive later that, you know, they may have a really good, they may have a really good bump and then they can keep going, but it's going to be a huge bubble that kind of gets us back to normal. Hmm. That's my prediction. Okay. I've just been thinking about it because even with us and we are like the least affected by mm-hmm. this pandemic since we spend most of our time with each other anyway. Sitting in, sitting, sitting at home in yeah, front of doing a exactly anyway. this, yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes yelling at each other, you know, in our, from our various offices. Um, like we want to go out. Yeah. We want to go and socialize. So can you imagine the people who, who love socializing anyway and haven't been able to do it? They must be going crazy. Well, that's where the mental health stuff comes from. And that's most of the world. Like, yeah. <laughs> like we're the little bit of it. Yep. Oh yeah. You know, so it's we gonna know just, it's, a, like, it's a dark time when, oh, it's gonna when be so Jane hard is to get, eager to get on a plane to go to a show. It's going to be so hard to get a reservation anywhere. Yeah, we'll figure it's gonna it out. It's going to be lineups at restaurants. It's, I mean, it's not, it's fine. I'm not that concerned about it, but I don't think anybody's really thought about it yet, about what it's going to look like when we can all go out. Mm. It's going to be, people will be like rushing from their houses. No, it'll be a little bit like it was last summer. You know, when people could finally go outside where the weather was good, then the beaches were crammed and all of that kind of stuff was happening and campgrounds were were crammed and all of that because people wanted to get out. They were all pent up. And I think that thing will happen at probably restaurants and movies and retail will have a spike. And yeah, certainly on the road. I want to go to a movie. Yeah. I like movies anyway, especially the ones where you can reserve a seat. That's well, you can reserve a seat. Those Mm -hmm. are my favorite movies because I don't have to, I don't have to try and cram in. Man, I'm old and curmudgeonly, man. Yep. I do not like people. <laughs> I, 
<laughs> anyway. All right. Let's talk about some work stuff. Okay. Going forward. Yes. What? What do you no, want to talk about? Know. What about work? Um, hours of service. <laughs> yeah, it's not a podcast without talking about hours of service because it's not a week in content without talking about hours of service. Oh well, my God. All, somebody is always working on an hours of service course. Because somebody is always either implementing some new rule or arguing that some new rule should be stopped. And yes, it's endless. Please, people, just pick something and stick with it. Adapt. <laughs> Yes, I'm so tired. We could have almost an You're entire tired. department you was never just write, hours of service. You don't write a single word about hours of service. I know. You I know. do not. You have never, you know, looked at... Uh, except the one time when I made a mess of it. So. Oh, did you? Yes. Oh, is that when I told you you couldn't do anything else on courses? Yeah. Mm. But yes, I, I don't know. I didn't know that. It. Was, I thought it was TDG. Oh, no, no. That recent one with the sleeper birth that you messed yeah. up. Yeah. Ugh. Thank you. But no, I don't have to... I'm not the one stuck dealing with it. I'm the one who keeps saying, so what are you guys working on? And the first thing is always hours of service. Yeah. yeah well, it is, it, there's a lot of big changes. I'm really hoping that after this, there's going to be a bit of a lull. Although the U.S. is looking at a, uh, a new change. Yeah. Another sleeper birth change, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, 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 no. Is it sleeper birth or is it that like sort of taking time off in the middle? Oh, the like, pausing the clock. The pausing the clock, yeah. Yeah. But so what we've done is because everybody is hours of service up to the yin-yang, um, we've decided to do the short haul courses as well. So we've done one for Canada. We're going to do one for the U. There's another one in the U.S. being worked on just because it's like, well, you know, if you're going to do hours of service, let's do all the hours of service. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so that one's in is, is being written. We're doing a translation of the American Hours of Service. Um, I'm thinking translation. You mean Spanish? Spanish, yeah. Right, okay. The French translation's already done. I am wondering if we should do a cross-border course for the U.S. for the people who come to Canada. Isn't that what our existing cross-border covers? I guess. Yeah, do we give it to U.S. Yep. companies? Oh, okay. All right, then. Well, then we don't have to do it. No, we're good there. We don't have it in Spanish, but... I don't think... Don't see that being a huge issue. The northern border? Spanish? We well, have it in French. Yeah, because we have a lot of carriers that go to the States. Right. In Canada. Yeah. So, I was joking with my uh, the guy who does the voiceover for Spanish courses, saying that you guys need to do another make uh, Spanish an official language and then yeah. we'd have way more work for you to do. Because, <laughs> you know, when it's an official language, there's way more pressure to get it done in yep. that language first. So mm -hmm. Spanish is always kind of the poor stepchild that doesn't get any attention. Like he gets it every once in a while. I do kind of bursts of Spanish, but it's more French is the more constant for mm, sure. Absolutely. And it's the same process. It's not, it's really no different. It's just who wants it more. So I should really start trying to do French and Spanish at the same time. Yeah. Well, actually, that leads into one of the other things you're working on and uh, kind of a milestone there in your car hauler stuff, which is coming along very nicely. And it's going to be in both English and French at launch. I know. That's a first. It is a first. And the reason that we're doing it is because it was a customer request and the customer is fine with it 
waiting for the English, fine waiting three weeks for the English. Mm. If everybody was fine waiting three weeks for the French, it, like waiting longer, mm-hmm. if that was the way, if that was the culture of everyone in Canada, I would probably think harder about doing it that way. But the reality is most people want it in English. Most of our customers don't yeah. care about French. They just want it in English. The customers that care about it in French will wait for it to be in French. And and, and sometimes you want to put the course out first to get all, like the, get all the problems out of it and then do the translation yeah. because redoing translation and redoing French voiceover is a much bigger pain in the butt than it is to do just in English. For sure. And there's always little bits that you get from having a course in the field for a bit. You get feedback on mm -hmm. tweaking a quiz question or tweaking a scenario or something like that. Yeah, if there's no voice, the translation is pretty easy to change. Yeah, that part's not big. It's It's the voice. It's the voice, yeah. Is getting that voice recorded, getting it cut, getting put it into the course. Although now that you've got more French voice resources, Mm -hmm. it's getting a little easier. Before, when all of the French audio was being done here in this studio... It was more of a pain because you had to have enough to justify bringing Denis up here to do the recording. But now that you've got multiple people, you can do it differently. And not only that, I have found the lucky happenstance that all the voiceover people that I have. So we traditionally use only men, only guys for voiceover. And I want to change that. So we have a lot of diversity in our in our courses, there's a lot of pictures of met both men and women doing the same jobs. And, um, but we have not had diversity in voice. And I have kind of resisted that for a couple of reasons. At the beginning, it was like, I don't know if it's mostly men as the user base. So do I want to have a woman and what, you know, what do I want? And then, and then it became, more of it's just easier to do edits when it's the same voice yeah so i was just more about i just want the same voice because the billions of hours of service changes it was easier to and less expensive to not record the entire thing with different voices but each of the voiceover people that i use in french english and spanish the new french voiceover that we have they're all they all have partners who also do voiceover. Oh, really? So I conveniently have a male and female English, male and female French, and male and female Spanish voice that I could use oh, if I wanted to. So your Spanish guy has got a, a partner who does mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. in the For same some, facilities, I guess. They're all using the same home studios. Yeah, because they're together. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. for... I, well, you know, it's, I have the opportunity and I didn't realize this until the other day. I was like, huh, everybody's married. This is good. Yeah. (laughs) This is helpful. Voiceover people like other voiceover people. You could start like doing character based stuff where you have your two characters in your course with different voices. I have used a couple of times. I've used a female voice. The cybersecurity course has Mm. multiple voices in it, except for the French one because Denis. Right. He did both. Yeah, he did both. But yeah, so anyway. We should have got him to use a different voice when he did the second character. Um, no, because he came up here and recorded it. So. Yeah, but I could have said, okay, pretend you're somebody else for this bit. Pret- Two character voices. Oh, yeah, it didn't have to be a woman. Yeah. Oh, we could have, no, that would have been bad. <laughs> I don't know how much we can stretch Denise's uh, <laughs> yeah. abilities. 
Yeah. Well, good ha- good stuff happening there in uh, in the content world. Well, also the other thing with the auto hauler course is that one of our new staff is a does a lot of 3D work. Mm. And so she's got kind of some cool effects on the the vehicle nice. in uh yeah, so she's going to be working on our overhaul defensive driving course and she's going to be um creating a lot better visuals like already she's her visuals are so much better nice so yeah and you were saying earlier today that the updated fuel course is coming along very nicely that's good yes yes it has it hasn't we haven't done any graphics for it yet we haven't even thought of any graphics because both of the like i said i can keep two graphics people busy and i i am so Mm -hmm. uh i do I'm not sure if it's started. We'll probably start on that uh, next week or the week after more diligent, diligently. So that should be, what do you figure that one will be out? Like second half of March? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, about a month, maybe a little right. bit more so for, that's... for fuel exercise, which is at the same mm-hmm. um, drug and alcohol. I'm thinking more six weeks to two months, Okay, so um, be like but that's April. coming along really well too. Um, Tiffany's working on 150 and auto hauler and probably anything else I tell her to do. Poor thing. Yeah. Um, Well, that's a, that's a good spring of content then. Yeah. That's very nice. We're catching up on all the things that started and then we're half finished. There's a, and then we can do some more translation. I'd like to get all of the wellness courses that we've done translated. So we've Mm -hmm. done diet and fatigue, um, I guess exercise and, oh, preventing illness needs to be yep. translated. Um, and there's a couple of border crossing type things that need to be translated. So I'm catching up with that too. Good. So yeah, it's going well. Well, I don't have anything quite as exciting to match that, but it looks like next week we will finally get our new iOS app. <gasps> yeah. Dun, dun, Much dun. delayed. The Android app has been out for a couple of months now. And uh, seems to be doing very well. But the uh, iOS one was delayed on a couple of different things. It looks like it's finally going to be ready. And uh, they sort of did a test run of it this week. But there's a couple of bugs they want to fix before it goes out. So uh, next week, finally, the iOS app will be updated. Which for me is major because the iOS app is one of the few places left that still has our old logo. And now it hurts me to see that logo so you places. Can't, you can't update the logo until you update the app? Well, you have to do a new build of the app and submit it. So I said, well, we're not going to do that just for an, uh, just for the logo. Uh, we're going to do it with the new build anyway. Oh, okay. So I just wasn't expecting it to be delayed as so long as it the, has been. Beyond the new logo, what else will does the iOS app have? Um, much like Android, it's totally rebuilt as a native app which gives us a little bit more power to control what things look like. It looks more like a normal app on the device. Oh, okay. Um, it's a little, I think it's a little uh, bit more stability to it. It's a little bit more flexible in some of the things that we can do. It also uh, sets us up better for the future. So there's not a lot of features. Uh, it handles some of the newer things a little bit better, but it's just it fits into the app or into the device a lot more nicely than hybrid apps do. Oh, that's nice. And then we can build on that too. From like that, once yeah. we've once we've got the foundation of a native app, yep. it can we can work on it and make changes and improvements a lot more easily. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's exactly. what I thought. 
Yeah. So we'll be able to go take advantage of some of the things that are built into iOS and Android as sort of native functions. We'll be able to use them better with a native app. So it's a necessary step. Uh, a hybrid app is a good first, first effort. It's a good starting point to see how things work, how many people use it and figure out what you need to do. But then you need to go native after that and build a real you know, dedicated app. Cool. So, yeah. So that's, uh, that's going to be good news. And, uh, on the platform side, we're plugging away with other things, other features, and the big one being the dash cam integration that mm-hmm. is underway in a pretty major, uh, pretty major way. We're working on that. So we got stuff happening, but nothing really to talk about uh, yet. On the next one, I think we will have some more things. It's hard when you know that work is progressing and things are moving forward, but it sounds like to the rest of the world, like nothing is changing. Like there's going to be two more podcasts before those things go live. I know. And I'm going to be talking about fuel. We'll be talking about exercise. We'll be talking about hours of service. But will we have released anything? Well, probably maybe not the next one, but the one after that. Yeah. Well, the next one, we're going to have to talk about something totally different then. So that we're not just rehashing courses and talking about what might be coming three months from now. Okay. So there Sounds we go. Sounds like a plan. We'll forget that. Totally forget <laughs> it before we record the next one, given how much we plan these things. Which is zero. Now, I did write uh, a LinkedIn article. I got that one out, I guess it was last week, end of last week. A uh, LinkedIn article about thinking about safety um, and sort of reframing the idea of safety because people talk a lot about safety for drivers and it's all about when the truck is moving you know it's the um adaptive cruise control and stability control and what they're doing with braking and lane keeping and dash cams for speed management and all that which is all great but what about when the truck isn't moving Mm -hmm. you know it's that's all great at keeping the truck safe and keeping the cargo safe but what about keeping the driver safe all of these other times so i was talking about things like the personal safety thing i know we've talked about here uh, when the truck is parked, when you're overnight in a truck stop, when you're at a shipper doing a pickup or delivery, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, there's a lot of safety issues that need to be considered there, regular workplace stuff. And even now, people are starting to think about it a little bit differently because of COVID, is that keeping drivers safe means a lot more than just keeping the truck in the lane and out of the ditch. It means keeping people safe when they're out in public and all of the things that they're doing, not having them get sick. And it's also about, I talked a little bit in here about modeling that behavior, but you have to show as a business, you have to show the drivers that you practice what you preach. So it isn't just about, you've got to be safe and here's all the rules about safety. It's about, we are going to live and breathe safety and everything that we do is going to demonstrate that. And so I talked a little bit about how some of the people that. So Ted Cruz going to. Uh, Cancun is probably not the embodiment of safety. Yeah, the same thing that was happening here over Christmas with all the politicians saying, stay home, don't see family. And if you need me, I'm going to Florida (laughs) or I'm going to Hawaii for vacation. (laughs) That is not great. Um, But yeah, the people that I've seen, and we've talked about this uh, outside of podcasts, but there are people that you can tell they really take it seriously. Mm-hmm. And it's not just the people that come up with, oh, safety comes first. Every time you do an interview, which everybody says and doesn't really mean much, but they don't need to say it. The people that really get it, they don't need to say that because every time you interact with them, you can see it. 
and you see them at shows and they're always being particularly responsible and very cautious and everything they do. These are the people that make a point of looking both ways before crossing the street and then looking again. And then they're making a point of having eye contact with or all the Or they'll cross at the crosswalk. Cross at the, the crosswalk yeah. instead of just walking through the middle of the street like I do. Yeah, they practice what they preach. And it's so ingrained in them that it doesn't even occur to them to do something different. And those are the people that really do a nice job of modeling that behavior. And it comes through because the drivers really get that impression that safety does matter to them. It has to... It has to it has to not be a you must be safe. You must do all these things to be safe, but I don't have to do them. It has yeah. to be that I am doing them, you are doing them, we are all doing them. If you don't do them, it's a problem mm-hmm. because we're all in this together. And this, you know, we're all in this together thing is quite lame when people some people say it because you're like, well, yeah, you're not I, in it with us. You're I don't in, think so. You're on vacation in the Caribbean. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That is a, not a, we're all in this together. Let's support each other. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I did write up about that and it was a tough one to write. I will Although admit. Although now if you listen to this, you don't need to read it. Yeah. But go read it anyway. Well, I will admit that it was a tough one to write because I kept veering off into rants about all the things that annoy me. And so then I had to kind of uh, remove all of that stuff and steer it back into something that was educational and informed and somewhat positive as well. So I did eventually get something and get it out there. And the, the finished product ended up looking pretty good, which is in no small part thanks to your edits and your assistance in cutting out those things and all of the subtle... Digs. Uh, yeah, <laughs> wisecracks that I was putting in there. So I, I calmed it I don't remember down. doing very much. You did a very good set of edits on it. That oh, was very okay. helpful. Thank you. So no I don't problem. know. I'll edit anybody's anything. I'm. I'm. Give me some... Give me a word document with track changes turned on. Yeah. <laughs> That's my favorite. So yeah, had that out. So over the next few weeks, uh, what we're going to be working on is, well, now we are actually getting into the recording of all of the best fleets related deliverables. Yep. So we're at that point, we're going to start doing the final reports for all the people that have ordered them. We are putting together the results book. And, uh, you and I are going to be putting together our, the, or the recording of our breakout session for the convention. Right. So we're going to be doing a video of that. And I have got some guest speakers that I'm using for it, which mm-hmm. I'm interviewing mm-hmm. next week. Are you going to say who it is? I know yes, who they are. But. I can say, um, because, uh, yeah, when this, by the time this goes out, I will have sort of done those recordings or we'll be doing those recordings shortly. So I am interviewing... Um, Grand Island Express, who this year are a best fleet for 10 consecutive years. Well, which, Tom Perney from Grand Yeah, Island. I think he's bringing some other people in too. Uh, Maybe a, a few of them that are on this, yeah, but that's fine. Interesting. But I am sort of very curious to get a sense of, you know, do you remember the first year that you were in it and what prompted you uh, to get involved in the first place? And uh, what was it like? Interesting. You know, and what's changed? What's different? You know, what's different about you since then, like all of that kind of stuff. Ooh. What have you changed? So I think that could be very interesting because they're, they're not a 10 year fleet just because they're lucky. They keep doing no. things all the time. And, and we've they were an about overall that. winner three times. They've been an overall years, winner so. three times as well. So there's obviously a lot of stuff that they do. And I want to sort of get their impression of that. Uh, so that's one. The other two 
people are similar in that they are the two people who have brought multiple fleets onto the top 20. So Scott mm-hmm. Manthe, who's now brought his third company onto the top 20, only person to do that. And Andy Winkler, who has uh, now brought his second company on. He was with Grand Island Express for much of their time. And now he has uh, moved over to chief carriers and got them on the list. So I think that's really cool how people have a like some sort of recipe that works in multiple places. Like they must be so convinced of, well, they must know, but they must have been very convinced of what their goals were and mm-hmm. how to change something and what works and what doesn't work to do it three times. Well, that's what I want to get into is what do you do when you go into a new company? You know, why do you think it's important to get involved in this? What do you hope to get out of it? What do you do when you get the results? And what is your recipe when you go into a company to make them better? And uh, I'm not sure that either of them is really conscious of what they do. So that's, I think, going to be interesting is I know they do these things, but I'm not sure how aware. Some of it I know is They've got to be aware. They got to have some awareness. And now I've said, you must have a recipe. Let's talk about it. I've given now them they lots have of, to think about yeah, it. Yeah, I've given them a heads up that they should be thinking about Write that. Write an essay. Yes. In one to 3,000 words, tell me. None of whom, I don't think I, any of them want to write an essay. No, they would not agree to it if they no. had to write anything. <laughs> so we're going to have uh, an interview. Um, I don't know, it might be 15, 20 minutes of going through this. Might be half an hour. We'll see. And then we're we may going. not actually have to do any speaking <laughs> at all. Thing. I'm like, hmm. Even though we sent the slides to TCA, yeah, we'll just... Ignore all of those, and the new version is just going to be three yeah, interviews. Yeah, Tom Burney and uh, yeah. Andy Winkler and Scott Got Manthe. Yeah, so we'll see. I, I think we'll keep you know five minutes from each of them, maybe five to seven minutes, and see how it goes, and put that in there with all of the content that we are going to talk about. We've got a lot of stuff that we want to talk about mm-hmm. as well. Well, there's a lot of stuff that happened, even though yeah. nobody did anything except to work. Yeah. Uh, lots of things happen because we had to, everybody yeah. had to make lots of changes. So we'll have to chop that down as well. We could have a, you know, a director's cut of this session that's <laughs> 90 or a hundred minutes long. And then the version that we submit that's 60. And I think the interview stuff would maybe be able to take those raw interviews and do a, another mm-hmm. thing from that or a, uh, uh, a story on those as Should well. Should we do a director's cut of all the different interviews? Hmm. Yeah, so. we'll see what we get. Or it may go the other way and they're very quiet because they're all nervous <laughs> being on camera and it's four minutes is all we can get out of them. And then oh we realize that all of these slides we put together, we only have 30 seconds on each of them and then we kind of move on. That's never true. I know. We that all would, have a lot to say. Yeah, that I, would be a first. Yeah. We generally I, do not have t- uh, trouble filling up the time. So, we never have trouble filling up time. It's amazing. So on our next episode of this, we will be able to recap how it actually went. So now we're oh, looking sure forward to what we're about to do. Yeah, we'll be able to debrief it next time. Yeah. So with that, I think we are in good shape to say goodbye. wrap this up for yep. this week. So thanks everyone for listening. Good night, everybody. Good night.